0: Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning. Please stand to your feet as we prepare to worship. Lamentations 322 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercies never come to an end and they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. There's two things here It says he never ever fails and his love will endure forever and he has something new for every single one of us today. So let's go in with expectation and with faith as we worship the Lord today. Can you put your hands together, Cathedral of Faith?
1: Amen, come on church, let's put our hands together for him in this house, come on. Created from nothing. You walked in our pain Now you're taking us higher You stepped into time You laid down your life to save us You took all our shame On the cross it was laid taking us higher, we go from glory to glory to glory, we'll never be the same, we'll never be the same, we go from glory to glory to glory, we're forever changed, we're forever changed.
2: With our hands lifted and our voices raised. Come on. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! One more time. Then sings my soul. Let me hear your cathedral. And sings my soul.
0: Hold on to me. So I'll hold on to you. So
3: God prays for his faithfulness today. God, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. You are a faithful God. You are a faithful God, and we celebrate your faithfulness today. Thank you, God. You've been faithful in the past. You'll be faithful in the future, and you are being faithful right now in this moment, and all God's people said, amen, amen well hello cathedral family god is good and all the time boy it's so good to have you here this is the day the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in it if you're here out in the amphitheater with me if you're over in the parking lot can i hear from the cars yeah good to have you here today inside the building those who are watching online and the different campuses around the area Again, thanks so much for coming today to worship God, and it is a celebration, and we're celebrating the goodness of God, and what a greater way to celebrate God's goodness than to come into the waters of baptism. We're gonna baptize. Rudy is here today to be baptized. Yeah, let's give it up for Rudy. Now, we joined together with over 2 billion Christians around the world that are celebrating the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And we all have this common belief, this common understanding of the gospel, and I invite you to say it with me. It's called the Apostles' Creed. Let's declare it together. This is what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. But the third day, he rose again from the dead. Can somebody say amen to that? Yes. He ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting, amen and amen. This is what we believe today. It's our declaration of faith. Now, Rudy, as we just read through that declaration, let me ask you a question. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? You've surrendered your life to him. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old and up with the new. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Rudy, praise God. Nothing more exciting than that. when Jesus went into the waters of baptism, the Bible said that the the heavens opened up and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And as we go into the waters of baptism and we follow Jesus, boy, that same heavenly father looks at us in Jesus Christ and said, Rudy, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, amen. Sons and daughters of almighty God, Can you sense God's smile upon this place today? Amen. Before you're seated, look at somebody and tell them, God is smiling at you today. Amen. God's smile is on this place.
4: Welcome, Cathedral family, and a special welcome to our first-time visitors. If you are a first-time visitor, please scan the QR code or text the number that you see on the screen, or visit one of our volunteers after service. We will love to connect with you. This Sunday in our amphitheater, we have a free concert. That's right, you heard it, free concert with performer, singer, songwriter, and actor to run breath. Enjoy Motown and Broadway music. We will have food trucks and family fun. Concert will begin at 7 p.m. Food opens up at 6 30. We cannot wait to enjoy this time with you. In just two weeks we will begin our new summer series, Cathedral at the Movies. We are kicking off the series with a very special weekend. The producer of the Faith-based film, Freshman Year, will be here joining him is actor and former NFL Super Bowl champion, Vernon Davis. You don't wanna miss it. Invite all your friends and family. It's gonna be an awesome weekend. Well, Cathedral family, that wraps up our announcements for today. Stay connected with us by visiting our website, all our social media platforms, or by visiting our office. We will love to stay connected with you. We are a church where anything is possible, and the love is definitely lived out. Until next time.
5: Thank you, Aunt Quisha. Well, good morning, Cathedral Faith. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, for great is our God, and greatly is he to be praised. Amen. Well, I've been counting my blessings this week, and I'm so grateful for the people that God has placed in our life, and many of them have been on the journey for many years. We have the most amazing team here at Cathedral Faith. I'm grateful for Pastor Mike and the word that God brought through Pastor Mike's, been with us for over 40 years. And my brother and I, we've been blessed with the greatest mom in all the world. And it's her birthday today. My mom is 87 years, and doing well. And thank you for your prayers. And there's also someone that's been a part of our family, part of our church leadership. He's been one of the top pastors in the nation. He's been a mentor to my brother and me, a best friend to my dad, his family, Pastor Alan Randolph. Tomorrow he celebrates 80 years young. And if you guys would join with me, they're watching online, I'd like us to stand up and let's sing happy birthday to my mom. And Pastor Alan Randolph. And Pastor Bonnie, you got to help us out here. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday
6: to you.
5: Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Pastor Allen. We love you. Ah, you can go ahead and be seated. Wow. Kind of been going down memory lane as I think about the church and when the church ground was purchased back in 1976, and there's, you can see it up on the screen here. This is what the church looked like way back in the day. And we started to build the Cathedral of Faith amidst a back of you that were around in the 70s. There was double-digit inflation. There was political unrest with Iran hostage crisis that was happening. There was two-hour-long gas lines a wait for gas. Just crazy days at that time. And little, only God knew when they were putting those shovels in the ground, and you could see... Uh, Uh, My dad and my mom and Pastor Harold Woodson at Heaven, right there on the left, that little did they know what would happen in the days to come, over 40 years, what God would do. Now you can look at the campus today, and only God knew that tens of thousands of people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. (laughs) Millions of people would get food that are hungry in our community, and we'd have one of the top schools, and that we'd grow campuses, and that over 200 ministries only god knew that and one of the great champions of cathedral faith was reverend harold woodson he was part of our church family for over uh, 54 years been a friend and he was one of the guys that would come to help champion and cast vision and raise funds for all of our different projects and it's you know last year was a year ago today that he went home to be with the lord but I know he's with my dad in heaven right now, championing what we're doing. And what's really exciting for me today, his son Brian is gonna be speaking and sharing God's word. The legacy continues, amen? And I just wanna share some a couple of really exciting updates, what we've been working on. Just this past week with our development partner, we met with the city of San Jose, to share about our affordable housing project. It's 100% affordable for families and seniors that will be right on campus. We got great news, we're hoping in 90 days to get approval for that project, amen? Also we have begun renovations in our coffee shop and hopefully in a couple months we'll have it all renovated and ready to go so people can connect there. So we're excited about what God is doing. And then Pastor Ken's gonna maybe be sharing next week that God has linked us up with another partner that wants to share not only locally but around the United States what God is doing through Cathedral of Faith. So let's just give God praise for all that he's done but all that he's yet to do. Thank you to all the church family for all the ways that you give of your time, your talent, and your resources to help us be a blessing to our community uh, through the love of Jesus and around the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot do what God has called us to do without your faithfulness. And let's continue to believe that God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, not only in your life, but in the life of this church. Amen? Well, let's continue our worship as Pastor Vaughn and the worship team come to minister to you as well as unto the Lord.
2: How many believe that the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus is alive and well, that is in this room right now, is involved in your life? If you believe that, can we all stand to our feet and put our hands together and give God a mighty shout of praise? Yes Saturday sight surely it was through But since when I was impossible ever stop Friday's disappointment Sunday's empty too Since when I was impossible
6: ever This is the sound of drop of life.
2: This is the phrase, make a big man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm going to live, going to live again. Called us to live a defensive, passive life. I think he's called us to live in authority, to actually stand over those bones, to speak life and watch God resurrect the dead. How many are believing that God can do that in your life? Come on, we're gonna speak life. See, God says live. God says live. Yes, God says live. God says,
3: Said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Boy, that's the heart of our Savior, that today we would live. Amen. Breathe in hope. Breathe in courage. Breathe in strength. Breathe in life today. Live. That's the heart of Jesus, amen? Let's give Him praise, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. As Kurt mentioned, just remain standing, it is a really special day. Uh, you know, we have a, a legacy of the church. You know, uh, Brian, Pastor Brian Woodson, his dad and my dad uh, were together for so many years um, and laid such a, a strong foundation what God did through their lives. And now to have Brian and his wife Ruth with us, it's their first time with us together and, and speaking on a weekend. It was about a year ago that his dad passed away and uh, he's up there in heaven with my dad right now, cheering us on, Brian, amen. And so Brian went to ORU uh, like I did and Brian pastored up in Canada for five years and then uh, a Free Chapel in Atlanta with Pastor Jensen Franklin. Pastor Jensen asked if Brian would come down and lead their campus development ministry. Uh, They were just starting out, and so Brian's been a campus pastor there for uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin for the last nine years. And it's so, yeah, doing a great work, Kim and Ruth. They have five wonderful children, and it is just such a blessing to have him with us today. They're a wonderful couple, and he's got a great word. Are you ready to receive today? Let me ask you a question. Are you ready to receive today? I'm ready. Say that with me. I'm ready. Brian's got a great word, a timely word for you and for me. It spoke to me. It's for this church. Brian, would you come on up? Would you give Brian Woodson a great big welcome to Cathedral of Faith? <laughs>
7: Wow, can we stand on our feet and give God the biggest shout of praise of the morning? You're faithful, you're strong, you're mighty. Come on, give God a big shout. We love you, God. Wow, you may be seated. What an honor it is to be in this pulpit. And I do want to bring honor to Pastor Kenny and Shirley and the founding family of this great house of faith Pastor Ken and Pastor Kurt, thank you for extending the invitation for Ruth and I to come. We, we had to say goodbye to our five children in order to come here, and we were gonna put their, their faces up on the screen, but they wouldn't fit, so um, there's just too many of them. But they range in ages from 18 to 10, and I just, I just wanna say up front that standing right here in this pulpit is, is the honor of a lifetime. You, you folks are legendary. Uh, I was born in Los Gatos, uh, dedicated here as a baby by Pastor Ken, and I grew up hearing about all the legendary stories of Cathedral of Faith and San Jose and the Foremans. We have uh, so much rich history together. We, are, we have more in common together than you and I realize. We are connected, and you're stuck with us, so we're honored to be a part of this great church So can you, one more time, just thank God for how he brings us all together. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And uh, today I wanna share a message with you that stirred my heart when God was putting it into, into my heart. And I just want to say, if, you, if you're not in the Bible right now, if you're not reading currently, uh, I encourage you to jump in and be a daily reader. Get into God's Word. God's Word will get into you. And as long as you're in the Word, you'll always have a Word. Did you hear me? As long as you're in the Word, you'll always have a Word. Not for arrogance and not, for, not to impress people, But when you get into God's word and the world squeezes you, you will realize that the word that's in you is for that moment. And those of you that have experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard against him, and oftentimes the standard that he raises is the seed of his word that's been already put in your heart. Ezra said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We can hide a lot of things. In fact, in our house, we like to play hide and seek. We love playing hide and seek, and forgive me, I love scaring my kids. I love that sound when they're coming around and, and they're looking in a closet or they're looking under a bed. And I, just, I love it. Lord, help me, but I love it. We have a lot of fun playing hide and seek. You know, we hide a lot of things in our lives. In this room, we, some of us are professional hiders. But I can only see one thing God tells us to hide, and that is His Word. If you're gonna hide anything in your heart, anything in your life, if you're gonna have a secret stash, you need to hide the Word of God, because what you're hiding is what you're seeking. When you hide something, that is your way of telling everyone around you this is what I value. I'm going to go through great lengths to hide what I value. I don't want you to take what I'm hiding. But when we hide the word of God, it can't stay hidden long. Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my bones. You can't hide it long. It will come out. Whatever you're hiding is going to come out of you. Can I get a big amen? That's not the message today. The message is in Nehemiah chapter 4. And I want you to open your Bibles there or get your app out. And if you haven't been in your Bible lately, this is just a friendly friendly reminder. Get in it now. Just make a decision. I'm going to start reading it again. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. I love that when God speaks to you, God doesn't speak with sarcasm. You know, some of us are gifted with the gift of sarcasm and and a little bit of of sarcasm in our life. But when God speaks to you, it's pure. You know, when when God says, hey, read your Bible, do you know what he means? He means read your Bible. When God says, hey, read your Bible, the enemy will come in behind you and say, yeah, because it's been six weeks since you've even picked up that book. No, God doesn't leave you with guilt. He leads you with grace. And when he says, get into my word, that's his invitation to say, there's something rich in there I want you to find. Oh, there's some gold in there if you'll just dig. Because I have found in life, you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for negative, you'll find it. But if you're looking for gold, you'll find it too. In Nehemiah chapter 4, where I'm going to land today with the message, Nehemiah has been, has been, convicted in his heart over the news, over the the, the sound of the uh, the fact that his city was was in a place of compromise. The walls of Jerusalem were down. Stones were landing on top of each other, and the city was in a vulnerable place. And so Nehemiah from a faraway land said, I'm the one that's supposed to do something about it. And so Nehemiah finds his way, finds safe passage all the way to the city, and he rallies the people together. And what I love about Nehemiah right off the bat, Nehemiah does not come in with an angry heart. You guys should have done something. How could you guys let the city get in such ruin? Nehemiah walked in realizing that this is the call for him, not everyone else. He realized that there had been people stepping over the broken walls, the same walls that he was called to restore. Don't get upset when people don't see the world the way you see it. Don't get upset when people don't have the same conviction that you have. If we would all walk in the power and the calling that God has called us to, together we would accomplish a lot in this world, in our lifetime. Can I get a better amen? Amen. God has called us to do a work in the kingdom, and Nehemiah found his work. And today's message is is really going out to anybody, who ever dares to do anything of significance for the kingdom of God. Anyone that ever dares to step out in faith, anyone that ever dares to rebuild something or to dig up the old wells of another generation, this word is to anyone in this room that feels the call of God stirring in your heart to raise a better family, to be a better spouse, to raise another generation, to step into ministry, to be used by God in any field that you find yourself in. If you dare to do anything significant for God, these four things will be waiting on you. These four things, they don't care about your gender. They don't care about your age. They don't care about your income. All they care about is if you advance in the kingdom of God, they will all four be waiting for you. So write these things down. Number one, always excuses. The first thing that will be waiting for you when you step out in faith and you do anything for God, excuses will be waiting for you. So be encouraged. When you find excuses rising up on the inside of your heart, you should realize that that is a sign that you're actually going in the right direction. When you step out in faith and obey God with what he's called you to do, one of the first things that you'll encounter are excuses. It says in verse 10 of chapter four Nehemiah, it says, then the people of Judah... Began to complain. The workers are getting tired. They said, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall all by ourselves. It said, and it said, it said. Then after that, well, I, I'm skipping. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Then the people of Judah began to complain, and all the workers are getting tired. And they, they said a word in here that really made me laugh out loud. And, and it's not often that I'm reading scripture and I, and I do a little LOL, but when I was reading this, I heard them complain about rubble. There's so much rubble, and that word is funny. I, I, I don't really see the drama in the word rubble. I was thinking of a cartoon that I used to watch when I was little called The Flintstones, Barney Rubble. And when the workers are getting tired, they said. Now keep in mind, the workers are halfway through rebuilding the wall. Keep in mind that these people have accomplished something that nobody ever thought they could accomplish, even themselves. They are building this thing in record time. They are rebuilding the walls of the city. They are, doing, they are accomplishing something great. But how many of you in this room have ever been at the halfway point in your life? halfway into a project, halfway into an engagement. Maybe you're approaching the altar to get married, halfway into a new career, halfway into paying off your school debt. Hallelujah, if you have paid off all of your school debt, Jesus is in the building. Thank you, Lord. I'm in my 40s, and it took me into my 40s to pay it off, but hallelujah, we did it. It's time to get another degree, I guess but the workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved, we will never be able to build the wall ourselves. Do you see what excuses begin to do? Excuses begin to magnify the things that you used to just wink at on your way to accomplish the goal. The workers are getting tired and the rubble must be moved. We will, listen to that, we will never be able to build the wall. Excuses exaggerate the things that you should step over. Excuses exaggerate. It said we will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. When Ruth and I were downtown San Jose this weekend, I was doing a U-turn and I didn't stop to check. If there's a police officer here, I turned myself in. I didn't stop to check to see if I was able to legally do a U-turn. So as I'm doing the U-turn, I said, Ruth, can I be doing this? And she said, well, you're doing this. I guess I'm doing this. Isn't it interesting that excuses will devalue what you're doing? These people were building a wall, they were halfway through, and they were saying, we cannot do what we're doing. The devil will speak to you as you're in action, fulfilling the call of God on your life, and he will allow you to get started and allow you to go at a record pace. And in the middle of the project, the devil will begin to allow you to question, can I do what I'm doing? Can I sustain the work that I started? Can I bring this thing to fruition? Am I the person that's called to this? Did I bite off more than I can chew? And I hear the Lord say, don't listen to the excuses. Listen to God. With God, all things are possible. Can I get a big amen in this house? I'm talking to the people at our campuses. I'm talking to the people in the car lot, and I'm talking to the people in the amphitheater, and those online. With God, all things are what? Out loud? Possible. Possible. There's power in that truth. Something is stirring up in your heart right now, I know it. There are some dead things, they're talking about bones rattling, some dead dreams are rattling in this room right now. I I was driving a car, We we were given a car. What an incredible miracle. I'm driving the miracle, right? I have my hands on the miracle, and I'm thinking about another problem, and I'm worried that God cannot meet that need while I'm driving a miracle. And it's like the Lord said, "Hello, I'm kind of your provider. I kind of don't ever mess up. I don't ever make mistakes. Sometimes we can we can be we can allow the the enemy to eclipse the promise. We can allow the problem to seem bigger than the promise. I asked him to get me a, a fun toy this morning, and I don't I don't know where it landed, but if I could get that, um, yeah, it's a beach ball. Thank you, Pastor Rick." I bring this everywhere I go. Uh, This is what I'm known for. No, it's actually actually not. This beach ball belongs to you, thankful for all the giving in this house. This belongs to you. But I wanna illustrate something this morning. In order for the moon to eclipse the sun, it's all about perspective. Now, if you can imagine this, the head of this microphone being the moon, And this beach ball represents the sun. Now it's not to scale because the sun is actually 400 times bigger than the moon. And the moon is actually 400 times closer to the earth than the sun. But there's this celestial phenomenon that happens that when everything lines up, it seems like, it seems like for a moment in a day, not even all day, but just for a moment, did did you see the eclipse? No, what? I missed it. It doesn't last for long. In fact, everyone has to get their calendars lined up. I'm gonna gonna clock out of work. I'm gonna take an early lunch, because why? I wanna see the eclipse, because why? It's not gonna last very long. That should speak to us already. But the moon lines up perfectly with the earth and those of us on the earth, and somehow it would appear that the moon is bigger than the sun. Now, when that happens, The sun does not shrink, and the moon does not swell. Everything stays the same. It's all about perspective. The same thing is true in our life. Sometimes God Almighty can appear to be eclipsed by our seemingly large problems. But I want to remind you something. Your problems are not here to stay, but your God is. Can I get a big amen? Your problems... Your problems might be flexing this morning, but I'm gonna tell you something. Your God doesn't have to flex. God is God all by himself. He doesn't have to show off. All he does is show up and the enemy goes running and he's running out of your house today in Jesus' name. I'm tired of allowing the enemy to eclipse God's provision and eternity and whoever wants this beach ball can grab it after church. It's my gift to you. The first thing we write down is always excuses. And if you've ever entertained an excuse, I wanna encourage you to take a big deep breath. My mom would always say growing up, I had the best mom in the world, still do. And we would come in from outside, me and Keith or neighbors, and we would be fighting each other or fighting someone or creating up some crazy scheme in the neighborhood that we were protecting and saving the world. And we would come in out of breath and explain it all to mom and she would say, stop. Take a big, deep breath. breath. Thank God COVID is on its way out. We can breathe. (laughs) She would say, take a big, deep breath. And I said, I don't want to take a breath. I want to tell you the story. But mom was so wise. She knew the oxygen needed to get to my brain so I wouldn't get the details wrong. And we could calm down and slow down, have a glass of milk and a cookie and tell mom all about it. Some of us in this room need to slow down. God is not as panicked as you are. God is, not all up, God is not up in heaven biting his nails, asking Jesus, well, what are we gonna do next? They are not in the war room in heaven planning and scheming and scratching their head and I have an idea. No, he had an idea. He sent Jesus to the earth to redeem the lost and to raise the dead and to do the impossible. His plan is in action and his plan doesn't fail. There are excuses in this world, but none of them hold a candle to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I get an amen in God's house today? If you're entertaining excuses this morning, it's time to take a big, deep breath. We need to breathe deeper, and we need to look higher. The devil wants to block your perspective and your view of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I love the language in the Bible. I love how it doesn't it doesn't isolate excuses isolate. Back in verse 10, it says we will never be able to build the wall what by ourselves. Excuses isolate, but the Word of God brings us all together, reminds us that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, and together we can accomplish anything. We are better together. Hit somebody next to you or, or nicely tap them and say, we are better together. We're better together. We're better together. The devil wants to block your view of God. The devil wants you to feel isolated and alone, but you are not alone in your problem. God Almighty is right there with you. Do you know in the story of the three Hebrew boys that were walking in the fiery furnace, there's, no, there's nothing mentioned in scripture that anyone else saw Jesus except for the king? The evil king saw Jesus. He said, didn't we throw three men in the fire? But I see a fourth man walking as the son of God. The truth is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we don't know if they even saw Jesus. Are you willing to walk through the fire so that an evil world will see Jesus walking with you even if you don't see him yourself? I don't wanna walk in the fire. I don't want the flames turned up higher. I don't wanna walk through difficulty or tragedy, but I am willing to walk through it all if the world could see Jesus. Man, I'm not crying, you're crying. (laughs) Hebrews 12 says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. I love the fact that Jesus wasn't fixed on the cross. It said, he, his, his, fixing, if your eyes are broken, you fix your eyes by looking at Jesus. You don't fix your eyes by looking at the problem. What you focus on will develop in the dark room of your heart. If you focus on Jesus, Jesus will develop. If you focus on the problem, the problem will develop. I'm no doctor, but I suggest that you focus your eyes on Jesus. It said in Hebrews 12, that's the word of God, we can applaud God's word. Dad used to say, "Don't cake. Give him a big round of applause. But it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame. What is he saying? That's saying Jesus looked past the cross to something joyful. You know when he looked past the cross, he saw you saved. He saw, he saw the two people that got baptized during service this morning. He saw them committing their heart to Jesus. He saw you walking through cancer. He saw you beating the odds. He saw you cro- climbing out of bankruptcy. He saw you getting off your deathbed. He saw your family being healed and restored. He saw the ministry getting birth. He saw you walking in financial freedom. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We will endure what we have to in order to get what we will be joyful about. The word endure always, to me, feels like defense. Just endure it. Just endure like a good little soldier. Just endure it. It's gonna be okay. Just, it's gonna be all right. It's sort of like an excuse to say, sorry, your life is terrible. Uh, my life is good, but just endure and, and we'll be here if you need us. And, but the longer I would think about the word endure connected to Jesus, the more I was thinking, no, Jesus doesn't just get by. Jesus doesn't circle the wagons. Jesus doesn't just kinda sit there and take it on the shoulder. No, endurance, I realize endurance is not defense. Endurance is offense. Jesus is not defense. Jesus is offense. Jesus doesn't retreat. Jesus is always taking ground. He's always scoring. He's always winning. He's always conquering. He's always victorious. <laughs> Jesus is not closing his eyes, asking, "Is it? are we there yet? Jesus is God all by himself. And the beautiful thing about this is it reminds us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now at the right hand of God. What this says to us is Jesus was not stuck on the cross. Jesus stayed on the cross. Those people didn't keep them there. Jesus kept himself there. The word endurance means to choose to be in an inferior position and to dwell there. Jesus went went low so you and I could go high. Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus went there so we don't have to. And it goes on to say, now that our eyes are being fixed on Jesus, it says, consider him who endured. Consider him who wasn't stuck but stayed. Just like you. You are not stuck in your job. You are not stuck in your marriage. You are not stuck in your sickness. You are not stuck in this crazy season in your life. You are not stuck. You are choosing to stay because God, just like on the cross, he will do a miracle in your life just like he did in Jesus' life. Imagine if Jesus never went to the cross. None of this would be possible. But think about the thief that was beside him on the cross. One despised him and one humbled himself to him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise and Jesus is walking into heaven with a man that doesn't even know who he is believing in. That thief was the first one to walk into heaven saved. The first Christian convert on the deathbed, on the cross, walking in with Jesus. I love how God works. He's not narrow-minded, he's not focused on the small, he's focused on the big. So as he's leading you into miracles, there are people around you watching your life, being encouraged by your life. Even your, your difficulty and your tragedy are pulling people up out of the muck and the mire, and as you walk through this life, as you do what you wonder, can I even do what I'm doing? As you accomplish what God has called you to accomplish, you are preaching a message that many are following, and I'm so proud of you for that. Don't quit. Don't quit. When I preach at at, at our church in, uh, in, in Atlanta, our Spanish translation team often asks me to please slow down. Will you please slow down? But I get a little excited about God and what he's doing. He said, consider him who endured. Consider him who stayed in the struggle. Consider him who stayed in the fight. Consider him who stayed in the way. Consider him who eclipsed the enemy. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Say that out loud, so that you. So that you now point at somebody next to you and say, so that you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, Ruth and I like to grow things. We have, we've had gardens over the year. We've grown potatoes and carrots and corn and, and uh, I said potatoes. We've grown a bunch of stuff. We're growing, we have blackberry bushes that are taking over our backyard. And I love it. They're so great. But this thing says, if you're going to grow anything, don't grow weary. It's okay to be weary, just don't grow weary. It's okay to be in a weary season, just don't feed weary. Just don't give weary what it wants to get bigger in your life. Don't allow weary to take over your life because you're going to give away what you are. You are not called to stay weary. You might be weary, but don't grow weary. What are you growing? We're growing potatoes. You want to taste some? Excellent. What are you growing? I'm growing weary. Would you like some? No, thank you. If you're growing weary, you need to pour gasoline all over the top of that thing and walk away and don't ever go back to weary. You might be weary, but don't grow it. You need to fight for a clear view of Jesus. You need to fight for a clear view of the king. You need to see him past your weariness like the woman with the issue of blood that was so desperate to go into a crowded situation that she was not even allowed to be in to push through the crowd, to fight through even the the followers of Jesus that were trying to keep people away from him. But she caught past them all and touched the hem of his garment and he said, someone has touched me. Virtue has left me. She was done with weary, she was done with her sickness, and she knew if I could just get an audience with Jesus, it would all change. The Bible says in Galatians chapter nine, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us do good to all, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Always excuses, and there's always opposition. You will always have opposition in this life, so stand strong. It goes on to say, also our enemy said, before they even know it or before they even see us, as we're building the wall, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. I think that the the wording in there is important. It's interesting that it didn't say we will stop the work and kill them. It said we will kill them and we will stop the work. What is that saying? The work is what lives on. The work is what we pass on. My father died a year ago this month and he didn't pass himself to me, he passed the work to me. He is with God and he is rejoicing in heaven and he is walking on streets of gold and he would not come back to this earth if we all asked him to. He likes it where he's at. He didn't hand himself to me, he handed the work to me. He handed me his jersey and his cleats and his Bible. And he said, I want you to run faster and I want you to run farther because the work is not done. My life is done, but the work lives on. The enemy wants to stop the work of God. The devil doesn't show up until you clock in. If you're wondering why the devil is leaving you alone, it might be that you have not clocked into the kingdom yet. It might be that, that you're sort of surfing on the outskirts, but God is calling you in, and yes, it will cost you something, but you will experience glory like you never have before, and you will live. In order to leave a legacy, you must live a legacy. And the third is there's always an answer. There's always an answer. I, I, I often wonder why Nehemiah was so calm and collected through this whole thing. It said, therefore, so he heard all these excuses, and he's building the wall, and he says, okay, I'll just station some people. Where did you say we're vulnerable? Sure, let's put people over there. Any, any other suggestions? The, the, best, the best prayer partner is the devil. Have you noticed that? The best prayer partner is the devil, because while you're trying to do good things, he'll say, yeah, what about this? If you will be wise to write it down, you'll say, thank you, devil, I will bring this up with God later, and he will fix this out for me, thank you. Oh, is there any other suggestion? Any other, Oh, okay, just like tap me on the shoulder, devil. I will bring it to God, and he will fix it. Consider me the middleman. When, when the devil drops trouble on you, don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's about God's work that God wants to accomplish through you. There's always opposition and there's always an answer. He said, therefore, I stationed people behind the lowest points of the wall and, uh, and, and all the exposed places, and he just kept working. He just kept a good attitude, and he kept working. Take care of what you can see, and God will take care of what you can't see. Do what's in front of you, and God will do what's beyond you. That's what Matthew 6:33 is all about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what all these things will be? Added unto you. That's exactly right. The Lord's prayer is key and is paramount. When the enemy comes in and tries to rob you of your joy and the pace and the calling and the purpose of your life, the devil will tease you with stuff that's way out there. Well, how are you ever going to accomplish this one day, someday? He'll tease you with things that you have no control over. Yeah, but what about a month from now? What about a year from now? Who could bring a child into this world? Who, who would be so selfish as to? The devil works out there in those unknown places. But God promises in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's right. Don't allow the enemy to take you to places that God hasn't called you to. He hasn't called you to tomorrow. He's called you to today now faith is today is a day of salvation it's all about right now and what good does god have for you right now fresh bread don't you love it when you're at a restaurant and they bring out fresh bread you see it past your table and you're like is that for us no no it's an emotional moment no and you feel so grieved in your heart no it's not us child child of god hush it's not for us it's another day but when that bread lands on your table, you're trying to be so polite. Can I cut this for you? Can I cut this? Can, does anyone, can we bring more butter, please? Because this fresh bread is just ministering to my soul. Can I tell you on a level that you, we cannot understand, God has given you this day your daily bread. Everything you need in this life, you have today. The final thing is there's always the Almighty. There's always the Almighty, so speak life. There's always the Almighty. It said in in verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them, why? Remember the Lord. Why does he say remember the Lord? Because we forget. During these last few years, if you've not been careful, all you've been focusing on are the problems. How are we gonna climb out of this catastrophe? How are we gonna overcome the next health crisis? What are we gonna do with the economy? And God is up in heaven, and the Spirit of God is with us on this earth, and he's saying, remember me. When we come to the communion table, it's called the table of remembrance, why? Because sometimes we forget. And when we go to God with repentance, he throws our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. One of the things I love about God is he reminds us to remember. And God remembers to forget. He's forgotten your sin this morning. He's forgotten your lack of faith this morning. And he has remembered his promise over your life. Church, will you stand all over this congregation? And I guess if you're in your car, just stay seated. (laughs) That'd be awkward. (laughs) He said, remember the Lord. And as I look across this auditorium, many of your eyes I'm seeing for the first time, I wanna tell you to remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. He's not far from you. He's not angry with you. You're not a second-class citizen in the family of God. You might be on the back row of this church, but you're on the front of God's mind. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if we will remember the Lord in our darkest days, if we will remember the Lord on our greatest days, we'll have everything we need. Church, you are called to make a difference in this community. This world needs Jesus. And you know who has it? You do. You've got the Lord. Can I get a big amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us all together. We thank you for the rich heritage that you have knitted hearts together over years and decades. Thank you for the peace that's in this room. I pray for healing and for miracles to rest upon hearts. I'm thankful, just like Nehemiah, who was minding his own business, the call came running to Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't chase the call. I'm thankful, Lord, as everyone in this room does what they're called to do, works at the grocery store, drives the Uber, fixes the food, takes care of the children, travels for the family. I'm thankful, Lord, as everyone does what they're called to do, does what's in front of them, you will do what's beyond them. You will connect them to the eternal call and the cause of Christ. We thank you for it, God. Bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: amen would you let brian know how much you appreciate that word what a great word brian hallelujah thank you god for your word amen thank you god thank you god amen you know i just want to encourage you if if you'd like some prayer right after service Our team will be outside at the amphitheater to pray with you and to pray for you. And then next week, Dr. Wayne will be sharing and what God has put on his heart is to have a special time of prayer for healing. So if you would believe with us this week, maybe fast a meal and let's believe that God and his healing power is gonna show up next weekend, amen? And bring healing and wholeness to people's lives. Again, know that your love cathedral And I wanna speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, every day, every day, may you walk in life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, Amen. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome day.